Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hello, my name is Solange Jacobs-Randolph. I'm the Senior Director of Marketing for the FMG Suite family of companies. And today I'm very excited to have our guest, Stephen Morris of Matter Consulting. Steve Morris is a brand and culture advisor, also an author and a speaker. And as the head of Matter Consulting, he works with business leaders to articulate and activate their belief system to create organizational integrity, conscious leaders, connected cultures, and evolved brands. Over his 25 years in business, Steve has worked with more than 3,000 business leaders at more than 250 global and regional companies, including Samsung, Sony, Habitat for Humanity, New Balance, NFL, and the MLB, and even the Port of San Diego. Steve will be publishing his upcoming book in Q1 of 2021. It is entitled The Beautiful Business and focuses on how businesses of all sizes can build harmony, belonging, and magnetism through their brand and their cultures. Steve is widely published and is a contributing writer to Retail Observer, Business Week, Brand Week, Conscious Company Magazine, and Marketing Profs, where he writes about how businesses of all industries and sizes can evolve into profitable and meaningful ventures. I'm very excited about today's conversation, which I think will be really helpful to any advisor at any stage of their career. We cover brand definition, brand value, and differentiation before talking a little bit about brand marketing and how to express your brand throughout all of your marketing communications. For financial advisors just starting out, we spend quite a bit of time focusing on how to build a brand, the mechanics, what questions you should ask yourself as you identify and articulate your purpose, your brand vision, your core values and commitments, and ultimately the brand promise that you make to your customers. I'm looking forward to this conversation, and I hope everyone who's listening finds some value in it. Thank you so much. Hi, Stephen. This is Solange with FMG Suite. I'm so excited to speak with you today. How are you doing? I am doing excellent, Solange. Thank you so much for hosting this and for squaring away the time to have a conversation here. I think it's a really important conversation that we honestly don't speak about enough. We tend to dive right into the now let's market your business and grow that business. And I think today will be really important for setting the scene and making sure our audience understands brand with a capital B. So maybe that's a good place to start. Um, Yeah. What is brand? How do you define it? And in particular, could you include in your answer how that is different to branding? Yes. Yeah. Um, It's a great question and it's a great starter question because there is, as we probably all know, uh, a lot of confusion around around what a brand actually is. Um, So, you know, I've had the fortunate opportunity to work in the branding space for the better part of, I don't know, north of 25 years. And, you know, even my perception and my application of what a brand actually is has changed over time. So the way I define brand, at least in its simplest terms, is that it's the indelible impression that you, if if it's a personal brand or your business, make on the people around you. And that could be the the people around you that that could include uh, the employees of the company, your teammates, your partners, or the people around you could also be the constituents 
and customers that you're looking to reach in the world. So depending on the makeup of your business, that can include investors or stakeholders or can include employees. But almost the, the basic foundation, it includes how you impact and that indelible impression that you leave on your customers. And so, you know, one of the other ways that I think about brand, because I have a strong belief system around how a brand comes to be, is that brand is ultimately about character. And because the driving beliefs of any of us from an individual standpoint or the leadership of uh, teams and organizations, they start their business or they tend to start their business with a driving belief behind why we're doing what we're doing and how we're different than other folks out there. And those beliefs turn into actions, behaviors, and those the, the impression or the consistent impression of those things over time creates a sense of character. And um, so, you know, in, uh, the, the simplest way I can say it is brand is ultimately about character and it's the indelible impression that you leave on the people around you. And it's different than branding in that branding is the process in which you thoughtfully and you uh, consistently both present and curate that the perception or the impression that you make on the people around you. And, you know, like it or not, everyone has a brand. Um, it just depends on how either conscious or thoughtful or curated they are about what they create in terms of creating that impression that the brand leaves on people. So really, you know, the brand in the simplest way is about character to me. And it's uh, that impression that that character leaves on other people. And branding is the process that we consistently employ to create that impression. Very good. Thank you so much for um, setting the stage there. So, you know, we serve as FMG Suite. Many of the audience members listening to this podcast today are financial advisors or others working in the financial services space. Um, and as an advisor, I guess as I, I want to... I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. If I provide a good service as a financial advisor and my clients are happy and not losing money, um, why should I care about brand? What is it that makes brand important? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we could extend that really into any industry, but it's certainly uh, appropriate in the industry that you work in. Um, you know, it's worth examining why it is that people hire you. Uh, or hire your team. And ultimately that boils down to trust. Uh, at least that's been my experience that people will hire the people that they trust, not only to do the job that they're being asked to done and uh, to do, and they have done it and have proven that they have the competencies to do it. Uh, and that can be proven through both, you know, experience, track record, degrees, uh, any type of social proof that you want to put out there. Um, but you also hire the individual. Um, and so you might have an incredibly competent individual that you just simply don't get along with, or you don't see eye to eye with, or you have a different set of values. And the likelihood, if, if, if someone's in a comparative situation, so let's say that a customer has a choice between three different uh, brand options or service options in front of them, and all of them are relatively equal in terms of their, their presented competency. They have uh, more or less the same years of experience, the same background. They've done more or less the same work over time. They have social proof uh, 
uh, or third-party endorsements to support that, then ultimately the reason that people will choose one of those individuals or teams over another has to do with the trust that those people have or the chemistry that is made. And so people should care about brand because it not only represents what are what is the value that my business creates out into the world, but also what is the character that defines how we go about doing the work that we do that makes it both not just effective, but effective for that person that you're doing it for. You touched on something um, that I think is really important to this conversation. You talked about values. Um, can you go a little bit deeper on that? What is the connection between my personal values and what I believe in and what I deem to be important in the universe and the brand that I establish for my advisory practice, for example? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, I think values is 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 what creates belonging in culture and society and in business and in, even in business development relationships. And so let's say, Solange, you and I were having a conversation and somehow we got on the topic of values. And you stated to me, you know, the things that I value in life or the things that I value in my work are this, this, and this. And I said, you know, something that would be either partially or completely misaligned with what my value system is. Now, we could probably drill down on some common denominators such as, well, do we value trustworthiness? Do we value uh, the, the competency of the individuals? Uh, things like that. But at the end of the day, when we think about what makes us different as human beings, uh, the biggest thing has to do with what the value system that we have and what we put forward into the world and how that defines who we are. So if we go back and we, we overlay the conversation or the consideration around why are values important, both personal values and organizational values, it definitely goes into the realm of defining how it defines my character and therefore my brand. And knowing what it be, all begins with the self-awareness of knowing what my values are and then the courage or the vulnerability to go ahead and capture those in such a way that those values are understood by a receiving audience, such as customers or partners. It's at that point that we begin to build a bridge of connection and communication between them. And so a lot of the work that I do has to do with aligning values between different brands and different audiences. And so if a particular audience segment values one set of things, they're going to be more attracted or have a sense of magnetism and gravity towards a brand that actually talks about those values and is openly clear, both from an action and in a language standpoint about what those values are. So when we think about how we're building our brand or even creating our marketing, the more I believe that we can express our values within that communication segment or even that communication process, the more effective we can be in sort of being the, 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 the flame and not the moth. And, and by that, I mean attracting those who are going to be drawn to the belief systems that we have, and therefore are going to want to work with us. And I have found that those people who are drawn to us by the value system that we hold are going to be, or often are our best customers. They're the customers that we have to do less convincing with, the customers that stay with us the longest, 
because the core of what we believe in common is already in place. And we don't have to convince anything, anyone of anything in terms of that realm. It's now just a matter of getting down and doing the business. Um, so in our in our space, we, we work in a very highly regulated industry and advisors are individuals who advise independently and they're running their own small businesses, but they also have a tie to their um, independent broker dealer or the RIA firm that um, that they that they work with. Um, what is the interplay or exchange between your personal brand and the corporation and whatever brand um, personality or persona it has? How, how do you reconcile those two? Yeah, that's such a great question because I've talked to people who are sometimes challenged with this uh, in, you know, the, the one way they might frame a question like that is, you know, where do I end and where mm-hmm. does the corporation brand begin? Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps even if we turn the table on that particular question, we say, well, okay, where do the two overlap or, uh, or engage with one another? Um, it's certainly worth saying that there, there likely is uh, some difference between what the corporate brand is and what the individual brand is. But if the employee, the team member who is out serving customers on their own through their own, own advisory work, if they have at least a, a clear set of alignment with the values that the corporate brand holds true and represents out into the world, and they can then carry those value-based attributes into the work that they do from an advisory standpoint, then there can be this beautiful both-and connection between them where the individual carries a, a sense of representation of, of the business that it belongs to, uh, hence the, the corporation or the organization, but is also able to be true to themselves and how they go about doing the work that they're in, empowered and, and charged to do and in service of the potential customer out there. And so the more that individuals are self-aware between where those things both are interconnected, uh, the value between the individual and the corporation value system and what I value. So for instance, if the, if the corporation says, well, you know, uh, our core values include trust and transparency and, you know, hard work and bottom line results, and the individual carries a value system that would include those things. But in addition, uh, they, they value hard work and getting to know the individual. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so personal connection. That's where the both and begin to dovetail together and actually be quite a, quite a great uh, you know, grouping, if you will. Talk a little bit about the process that you take a company, you work with so many different types of entities, but, you know, we're on a smaller scale, small businesses or individual advisors. My question is, how does an advisor go about creating a brand? What what are the questions that you would ask of that person? And how do you scale down the process that you take companies through for an individual advisor? Yeah, there's there's some core components that I think make up a a branded system. And, And again, here from a brand standpoint, we're not talking about um, or we're not yet talking about the corporate identity, the, the visual interpretation, but we're talking really about the belief-driven uh, language that activates the brand forward uh, to create that indelible impression. 
And so when we think about, um, you know, how does one go about building those things, there's still some foundational commonalities between what I might do for, say, a reasonably big or very large corporation and and what an individual brand might be made up of. And those components would include, first and foremost, the brand purpose, which is really this is the, the why you do what you do, your true north. It's the reason you do the business that you do beyond simply making money or just making profit. It's the thing that motivates you uh, on your toughest days and inspires you on your best days. And so there's processes that you can go through about really defining what that brand purpose is all about. And the second element that would certainly be be at play here is what I call a brand vision. And it builds on the brand purpose, but it really begins to future cast, if you will, what the future state of the audience or the impact of that brand or company has on its audience in some marker out into the future. So you know, one of the exercises I love to take people through from a visioning exercise, we've all um, heard and seen and back when we can go to movie theaters, uh, the movie trailer that begins with a deep boom, booming voice that says, in a world where, and it, mm-hmm. then that narrator goes on to you know articulate what the trailer is all about. But really what they're doing is they're inviting the viewer to take a journey with them into this future world. When we're casting or creating or crafting a brand vision, we're actually inviting people to go along into that future state with us. But it's also, you know, as part of this true north that's that's connected to our brand purpose, it's the destination that the true north is heading towards. And so that's a brand vision. And again, this could be this could happen on a very personal level uh, as as a purpose could uh, or it could happen on a, you know, an organizational level. And then the third element um, is what I call core values. And we've talked a little bit about values, uh, but I add something to that which are values and commitments. And the reason I love the word commitments is that it sort of, it makes the sort of marketing speak of, of, or, of brand, or brand language speak a little bit more accessible because we can all in our lives ask ourselves, what are the things that we're utterly committed to? Or what are the things that we're utterly committed to not doing? And so those commitments could be, you know, integrity at all costs or, you know, work with fearlessness, um, or, you know, uh, put love at the core. Um, And there's all kinds of different, you know, values and commitments that one could articulate that would have to be very personal to them, but also be driving motivational statements that are lived in action. And, you know, as we think about how does one go about doing that, one of the exercises I'll take teams through is to identify both stories and individuals who uphold those most cherished commitments and cherished values when money is in at stake. So what are the behaviors that we want to amplify or celebrate that that show up when no one's watching and that people do that, that people around them say, wow, we need to do more of that. Or I wish everyone were like Solange in the way that she showed up in this particular situation. And so sort of backfilling or uh, back articulating or reverse articulating what those values are. 
Um, and I don't believe that values should be created out of thin air. I think values exist in every organization, whether or not the organization is conscious of them or not, which is why we go through these value mining processes based on the best stories or the stories when people in the organization are at their best. And then just very quickly, the fourth thing that I would identify as, as a brand component is what we call a brand promise. And this is now a very outward statement that is expressed um, publicly expressed to really state what is the promise that we're making and we consistently uphold for the customers that we either are serving or we want to serve. And so there's three components to what I think a, a great brand promise is. And first and foremost is that it's, it's explicit. A promise is only as good as something that we say and something that we articulate to the person that we intend the promise to. And then secondly, is the promise is valuable. So it's gotta be something that I promise to you or to somebody else that actually holds some value to them. So for instance, if I said, I'm gonna to promise to park my car in the corner every day and you don't care about that, then that's not a really valuable promise and a promise not worth stating. But if I say, I'm gonna do what I say and say what I do, and I hold myself to that particular promise, then that's a valuable promise to you. And then the third part of it is, I believe a promise should be measurable. So a promise is only as good as we live up to those promises. And I believe that we should be holding ourselves accountable for how we deliver on those promises. And I, you know, a lot of the work that I do within organizations on the promise work is, how do we set up systems and processes so that we can actually measure through real data how we're delivering on those promises so that we can ensure that we're holding up to them. That last bit is really interesting to me as a marketer for the last 20 years. I find most conversations about around brand to be um, challenging because there's no easily easy way to quantify what we're talking about or to measure the effectiveness of um, efforts around around your brand. So I really like this notion of being able to use data to quantify and hold yourself, hold yourself and your company accountable for brand promises that you're making. Um, yeah. my, my next question builds on, on what we're talking about now, you know, you took us through the process of, of building a brand and I can see someone hiring a flashy, you know, brand consultancy to come in and help them figure this out. Um, but talk about the, the process of, of socializing a brand. Uh, wh wh where does brand come from? Is this something that the C-suite can decide or which the principal advisor running the, running, running the firm decides what their brand purpose and vision and core values and commitments and promise are? And how does that extend to everyone else who works within the organization who I assume is expected to represent and kind of live that brand? So what's the, what's the approach there? Is brand top down? Is it bottom up? Is it some combination thereof? Yeah, it's a bit of both. You know, I think that leaders have a responsibility um, to set the vision for the organization and then remove the obstacles or make the path doable for the team to achieve that vision. And, and as I mentioned, out of the vision, uh, purpose is 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 the tool that is underlying the vision itself. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think of vision and, and purpose or purpose and vision as being uh, sort of siblings of one another. You can't really have a vision without having a clear purpose. 
And so I do believe that that has to come from either the founders or the leadership team, even though it can be evolved over time through, say, a senior leadership team, like one group I work with. Uh, there's a group of 19 different senior leaders, and we're now reevaluating kind of everything that has to do with their brand and their culture. Uh, that includes their, their vision and includes their purpose and includes their core values and includes their promise. So I think that, and it's been my experience that the, the purpose and the vision really need to be created, or at least the first drafts of that need to be created by the leadership team. But the core values need to come from the culture that ex already exists. And this is where uh, um, level organizations really need to involve lots of different perspectives and stakeholders to identify what those core values are. And I use the word identify on purpose because we're really never inventing what those core values or commitments are. All we're really doing is shining the light on the elements of when we're at our best, here's the things that we're doing, and here's the things that we're going to celebrate doing more of. And that should come from a very level perspective of, of and across the organization. And then if you take the brand promise, then that's everyone, because I can't tell you, or I shouldn't be able to tell you to uphold a promise that you don't feel comfortable upholding. So if the team, ultimately, who anyone who touches a customer uh, is in some way, shape or form responsible for upholding that promise, they should then have a say in what the promise is. And so I segregate those two things in that the, the purpose and the vision really need to come from the leadership team because it's their job to set that vision. And then the core values, commitments and the promise really need to come from across the team. Um, can a brand be aspirational? Can, can you include brand values that you don't feel like your organization is quite living up to, but you have good intentions and want to get everyone on board with living that value? Is, is, that, is that a way to do it? I, I love this question. So, so a lot of the work that I do, like I, I kind of consider myself in the evolution business. And so a lot of the companies that come to me, big or small, or you know, regardless of industry, they typically have discovered that they've hit a plateau and what's working or what was once working is no longer working and they need to reevaluate who they are. And that's a soul searching process. And so, and, and typically that conversation goes like, or something like, you know, we used to do this, we used to have these customers, our team used to behave this way, and then something happened. And that might've been, they grew, uh, maybe a new CEO came on, maybe, you know, they were faced with COVID like we're facing all right now, and the industry has changed. Maybe a competitor entered the market space. Uh, maybe they lost a key employee, but they're really soul searching. They're really figuring out, okay, what's next? So when we think about our purpose, a brand purpose, it's absolutely aspirational in that you may be working to achieve that purpose today, but in my opinion, a really well-crafted purpose is never, ever really done. And even if you're doing it for some of your customers, the likelihood that that purpose aimed at new customers is still there to achieve more of. And then when we think about you know, a vision statement, for, for instance, 
that's a future state. It's everything about aspiration there. And it's everything about dreaming about what that future state can be. And then how do we, you know, setting the strategic plan to actually get there. Um, I do, though, think it's a bit of a dangerous thing to say, well, you know, we have a dysfunctional organization. We know that. Um, and overnight, that's going to switch. We want to be very different. And I love the, the idea that we want to be very different. But the reality is you have to go into the organization, the heart and soul of the organization, and typically into the leadership and ask them the serious questions of, are you willing to make the changes on the individual level and then on the cultural level so that the organization can truly change and aspire to drive towards this greater purpose? I mean, at the end of the day, all business really is about people. And if you don't get the people on board, if you don't get the people on the same page in the belief systems behind what we're doing, then no data in the world, no uh, information architecture, no uh, no false tools, none, none of the technology is going to fix the problem. Um, and you know, it's it's certainly worth remembering that almost all business is for and by human beings, mm -hmm. and that we're always looking to create those connections between the two the internal human beings that run the company, or, and that could be a solopreneur, an individual, and the external human beings that we're looking to serve out into the world. Very good. Thank you. Um, we have spoken a lot about brand definition and getting to the point where you have a clearly articulated brand. Now, my next question is about expression of that brand. How Do I have a great About Us page on my website that tells you what my mission and vision is all about? How do you go about express, expressing those brand values um, on a day-to-day -day basis in dealings with customers and how your website looks and what kind of events you decide to host? You know, all, all of it. How does it all play out? Yeah, yeah, great question. So there's... You know, the, the simple definitions that I carry around and talk about all the time, and I've, I've already said this one multiple times, is that brand is about character or brand equals character. I also believe that marketing is about the articulation of value to your customer and that sales is either serving or helping. And so when we think about, okay, we're, we're, we're developing our website, we're trying to determine the language that needs to go on there, we're trying to really put uh, some elements of ourselves in there, such as our belief systems. We want to make sure that our promise is there. Maybe we're courageous enough to even put up our brand, our, our brand purpose. Maybe even we want to express our core values. All of those things are fine and good. But the thing you have to always keep in mind, and this is one of my favorite mantras to remind marketers, is to ask and answer the question of what's in it for them. And the what's in it for them is the magical threshold that you be, you then take what you do, what you believe, and what you feel like your value is, and you transfer that into a bridge process of communication of why it matters to that audience. Because anytime, for, from a marketing standpoint, even from a, a design or brand standpoint, we have to envision that some customers coming to our website and that some customer is not us, and they don't walk around uh, through the world with all the information that we have in our head. They have needs, desires that need to be fulfilled through the services that we offer. And all they're asking is, 
can these people or can this person do what I feel like I need done for me? And so the what's in it for them is first and foremost, the articulation of what is it that you do and why is it valuable? Mm -hmm. Secondarily is, is in it is that element of the value proposition that they understand what's in it for them and, and the, the benefit and with clear benefit statements of what they get out of the work together. And then the them, it, are, it, it forces us to really ask and answer the question, well, who are they? Where, what are their needs? What are their dreams? What are their fears? What are they confronting? And what do they really, really want based on the service? Because it's not just an exchange of this for that. There's always something underlying the things that we do. When you think about you know, what people actually buy, they don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it and what's in it for them and the benefit that they get from it. So if you can answer those questions through the brand articulation and even the marketing materials that you put out into the world, you've made it easier for the customer to understand not just what you do and how you're different than say the competition, but how you can potentially serve them and whether or not they're a right fit. Mm -hmm. That really, that uh, it segues well into my, into my next question. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about brand differentiation. I think every year there's a, there's a study, a report that comes out in our industry that says trust is the key characteristic that all investors look for in their financial advisors. That makes sense. You know, someone who is supposed to, um, who is supposed to handle my money should be trustworthy. Um, I think there are probably a few other things. They should be knowledgeable and know what they're doing. We talked about experience earlier, early on in this conversation. Um, but it is my expectation that anyone who is doing this work tries to present themselves as trustworthy and knowledgeable and experienced. What are the other things and how does an advisor go about differentiating themselves from the slew of others in their zip code offering the same service, mm -hmm. right? They're going to sell you some retirement yeah. products and they're going to give you some advice about where to put your money. Um, like what are the unique characteristics that would make someone stand out in this particular space and how does, does an advisor go about articulating that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I, I want to be really careful here not to bypass trust because uh, I completely agree. And mm -hmm. especially in your industry. Uh, but I would argue more or less in any industry that that trust is non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. So you ask yourself the question, what do they mean by, trust and how does one go about creating trust or rather probably said more appropriately how does one go about earning trust and so this is why i think the brand beliefs are incredibly important because you know trust can be created through all kinds of different things so i could talk about how many customers i've worked with the results of those customer outcomes and how long i've kept the customers um, I could even talk about or have them talk on my behalf that says, you know, my business has done this, this and this for, for them and they trust me and things like that. But without that third party social proof that hopefully everyone does have to some extent in their career, there also is that question of, well, if 10 people are lined up and have more or less the same credentials of social proof out there and they with you know the quote unquote proven ability mm -hmm. to do what the industry is asking them to do or what the customer is asking them to do 
then how do they then distinguish and who then becomes more trustworthy than say somebody else who's who they might compare with and i think then it goes back into understanding the values of the individual and how those values come into play when it comes into work and so if an organization or if an advisor for instance were to talk about well, I believe in, in the value of integrity. And I'm going to go further. I'm going to tell you a story through my thought leadership or even just through a conversation that we're having about where I drew the line on integrity and how I had to face my own integrity. When it becomes personal like that and the listener or the viewer or however that media comes across begins to understand what that person what makes them tick and, and, and what drives them, then trust absolutely kicks into a much higher gear. And it also becomes differentiating because those people who also might talk about trust, who they're being compared to, might not have the same kind of stories or they might not even talk about their, their sense of integrity. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I think, you know, really articulating sort of in a forward public facing way, here are the things that I believe and I have proof of how I live them through the work that I'm doing, you can then decide on your own whether or not you're going to trust this relationship. And even if even if this is the right relationship for you. What I feel very strongly is happening in our industry is that there's, we're on the verge of a lot of change, right? This industry is undergoing a massive transformation. I don't know the actual numbers right now, but a large majority of financial advisors are getting ready to retire. And that means, you know, new blood in the industry. And I think there's a little bit of a a chasm between um, more mature advisors who have been doing this for for a very long time, who, you know, maybe take emotion out of the equation. This is business. This is my business face. I don't bring my personal stuff to work. And I think that's different among younger, probably the millennial generation of people who are in the workforce now who just have different values when it comes to um, how to do business. And I think there's value in both of those. Um, I am going to get to a question here shortly. <laughs> how do you okay. convince, yeah. say, the, 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 the former advisor that I described that there is value to um, showing their humanity and their authenticity? Like what is the, how do you go about mm. convincing someone who just doesn't feel like there's any place for that in business? Because a, a lot of yeah. what we're talking about feels a little touchy feely. I'm totally comfortable with this conversation. I know colleagues who, who would not be, who would think that there's just no place for this in business. How do you respond to that? Sure. Yeah. It's a great question. And, and I, and I see it in not just this industry, but in others. Uh, the reality is that the world is changing and the mindsets of um, different demographics are not necessarily the same mindsets of um, perhaps older demographics or just mm-hmm. that there's differences and that the way that people are making decision now is is very different than the way that were made say 10 or 15 years ago so you, like and there's just tons of studies out on this right now but one one of which I'll I'll sort of touch on so there was a study, and I think it was put out by Stanford, uh, on the level of trust or the diminished level of trust for large institutions. And that mm-hmm. would include everything from uh, government to uh, organized religion 
to big school systems, to large corporations. And of course, we've seen the, the stumbles and the challenges of some of the larger corporations, uh, even over the last five years or so. So now people are making decisions, not just based on what the media is telling them, or not just based on, hey, you know, so-and-so took me out for a really great lunch, or you know, we, we got our golf game together, mm-hmm. but more so on, are the values aligned with the way I want to live in my world and do the work that I want to do? And this happens on both sides. And can I do business with those people who have aligned values? And so people are essentially voting with their wallets. And we see mm-hmm. this in the consumer side of things where they're drifting away from, or in fact, sometimes more than just drifting, away from brands that haven't stood up for their value system and or hasn't, haven't articulated that. And they're heading towards brands that they, are, they feel that the values are much more aligned. And the minute that those organizations show a, um, let's say, a misrepresentation of those values, you'll see, again, people moving their wallets to somewhere else. In the service industry, I think that is even happening on a more acute standpoint where because it's all about service, I need to really trust the individual. And that trust comes from a common value set uh, that that isn't, I mean, look, this goes back to, to core human psychology. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the very lowest rungs of that pyramid, although Maslow never intended it to be a pyramid, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about safety, security, connection, love, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And if those things are not in place or if they're in jeopardy, then people will go back into those realms to redevelop trust with the people that are around them. And I think it's especially true in the financial advisory and the financial planning industry because people have worked really hard their lifetime, lifetimes to have the money that they have. And frankly, an advisor is sort of dealing with the dreams, hopes, desires, and, and even potentially fears of these individuals. So you ask yourself the question, who am I going to entrust with those dreams, hopes, desires, and fears? It's going to be someone who I feel really gets me and really understands and is looking out for my best interest. And so, you know, there's a saying that goes, you know, some of the best advice you'll get is criticism or direct critique from people who have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if we don't agree on everything, and even if you have to have sometimes hard conversations if you come back to, here's what I think is best for your organization because I think you believe this and this is what I recommend versus just someone who comes at it and says, you know, it takes the quote unquote lip service approach where they're just telling them what they want to hear and they'll do anything for the business. Uh, that's likely going to be a short-term relationship. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the world is changing the way the consumers um, and even B2B individuals uh, or companies are making decisions about who they work with and why they work with them. Thank you so much. Um, I think to close, I want to ask you if you have any advice for any of the many brands you've worked with over the years um, to make an impression on their prospects or their clients 
in today's particularly trying and challenging times, not only are we dealing with a pandemic, but we in the US here have a pretty contentious political situation. And it seems that in the last few days, at least, that many brands are coming out and making statements. Do you have any advice at all? I'm gonna keep that very general. Yeah, that's a very, very big topic and a very big question. Um, yeah, my advice is this. I think authenticity will win the day. And, and here's why I think that. Um, in order for us to show up in, into our vocational journey as the best humans that we can be, the only way to do that work is to be authentic to who we truly are. And in, in, when we double down on those things, when we double down and put ourselves out there in both a fierce and vulnerable way and speak the truth, and aim to serve, there will be plenty of people, if you're loud enough and clear enough about what you believe, that are going to head into your direction and want to work with you. So my advice is to get clear about what it is that you believe, articulate that in a simple enough way that also states the clear what's in it for them, and then just be consistent, which is what creates authenticity about how you put that out into the world and keep telling the right people about those things. And then people will definitely come your way. And if you feel like you're in a situation where you're not quite aligned with those things, then really just do a deep gut check, if you will, about your own value systems and how you can bring those to the surface and live from a much more authentic and powerful stance. The, the folks that I've seen serve that sense of deep authenticity are people that are often, if they've done this long enough, surrounded by people who believe in what they're doing and want the best out of them. And that's how we do our best work. Very well said. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Steve. I think this conversation was so valuable. For anyone listening who wants more information about the kind of work that Steve can do for you, please do check out his website. That's matterco.co, M-A-T-T-E-R-C-O.co. On the website, I'd like to encourage you to do two things. One is visit the writing tab immediately. There's lots of great things to read. You can find out more about his upcoming book. And you can also download a free toolkit that everyone who is thinking about brand should go and grab right away. It's called Evolving to Thrive. And it's a free toolkit that provides actionable insights and guidance designed to help you evolve your business and your brand. Another thing I'd like to suggest is that everyone who is thinking about brand opt into Steve's mailing list. There are currently more than 24,000 readers who get this newsletter weekly. I am one of them, and it always is an email that I look forward to. Always great insights about brand and branding and how um, brand really is at the core of every decision we make for our companies. Thank you all so much for listening again. I would know nothing. It's just uh, an honor to spend this time with you. And I know, you know, that this world is definitely unique and interesting place. And uh, part of my mission, part of my purpose is to serve those people so that they um, arise to their, their most potent version of themselves and do the work that they're meant to do. And ideally make the world of their customers a better place. So thank you so much for all of this. Thank you so much, Stephen. We look forward to publishing this episode. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. 
Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.